Welcome to this episode of Fastlane, a JCTV podcast. Adam Kuhn and Josh Koppel are here to start off this program. Josh, we're here to recap this week of JCTV broadcasts right here on youtube.com slash at JCTV Racing. The week started off with the Slide Job Racing League Premier Series playoffs beginning in Nashville on Tuesday. We'll have more details about that event later on. And then on Thursday, the SAAC Coast to Coast Cup Series took to Chicagoland Speedway for our second broadcast with them. And then Friday, May 5th, NAR returns to Kentucky Speedway at 9 p.m. Eastern for Race 3 of the 13th season of the DI9 Designs NAR Series. And then Saturday, May 6th, the BSR In the Pits News Truck Series races at Phoenix Raceway for the third race of Season 4. That is at 8 p.m. on JCTV. Friday's race is at 9. So Josh... Which of these tracks uh, that we are looking at this week the most challenging for some racers here on air racing? You know, I, I think honestly Nashville Super Speedway. Um, it's it's a concrete surface that's uh, you know larger than Dover, larger than than Bristol, and uh, you know with my experience with concrete tracks, they like to really chew up your tires. So in my opinion, I think that that race uh, will see a lot of cautions. Uh, Drivers not really taking care of their tires start sliding around all over the place, and it's just going to lead to a disaster for for some drivers. So, I think honestly, Nashville is is going to be the most challenging uh, for for the drivers to get around uh, out of all that we're going to see this week. Um, so, watch out for that one to to really uh, get these drivers on their toes. Not only is it a challenging track, it's a challenging four-race playoff they have to get inside the top four playoffs in the Slide Job Racing League that just begun on Tuesday night. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Looking forward to Friday night's race at Kentucky Speedway, Josh. Uh, been uh, off week for the NAR guys. They were turning to a pretty difficult mile and a half track at Kentucky Speedway. No longer on the active schedules in NASCAR. Uh, so what do you think Friday night's race is going to showcase with the Gen 6 cars there in Kentucky? Um, that's that's kind of a toss-up, I think, for me. Um, Kentucky, I think it's it, uh, it was a good track um, when NASCAR went to it. Um, I know on iRacing, the Gen 6 cars was always fun to drive on, on, on that track. And I think some of these drivers that have been on the service a little bit longer might be able to really reflect uh, from from the past um, with driving the Gen 6 at Kentucky. Um, and I think it, it's still used quite a bit on the iRacing service itself. So, um, you know, I, I think I think we're going to see great racing and a lot of drivers just feeling comfortable in in a, a race there. Um, of course, turns one and two are different than turns three and four. So. You know, it is definitely, I think, a rhythm-based track where you've got to get, uh, you know, used to to each corner uh, separately, each of the turns separately, uh, from the way you enter one to the way you enter three. It's going to be different. Um, so I think you just have to be consistent and really going to do a rhythm. Um, but otherwise, I think we're going to see good racing and uh, drivers just doing business as usual. 
Another track we don't see on the active NASCAR schedules anymore, Chicagoland Speedway. Thursday night, our second broadcast for the Coast to Coast Cup Series went there. Josh, uh, what, how do you think that race is going to play out? Uh, this is a little bit earlier in the week before that race has happened. So what are your expectations with the next gens going to a place like Chicagoland for the fourth race of their season this year? Uh, you know, Adam, I think uh, the next gens are, are going to um, be different uh, from what what we normally saw uh, at Chicagoland. Um, but I think a, lo- a lot of it as well is um, really similarity between some of the other mile and a half that we visit uh, with the next-gen car. Um, you know, I, I always kind of looked at Chicagoland as, in a way, um, you may call me crazy, but in a way, a little more miniature Michigan, um, except being uh, two miles in length, a uh, mile and a half, and then, of course, the curve back straight away. Um, you know, I, honestly, I think... Um, you know, just other mile and a halfs that, that we already see um, in real life and on the sim, I think it's going to be very similar to uh, anything else, like a Kansas or or something of that nature. And, of course, uh, we saw you, Josh, last Saturday behind the wheel at Homestead Miami in the in the Pitts News Truck Series for the fourth season, second race. Things didn't go your way there. So you're looking forward to Phoenix Raceway this Saturday. Coverage gets started at 7.45 p.m. right here on JCTV. So what is the biggest expectation for yourself at uh, Phoenix? No, there's been – we've had two races there in the past, and uh, tendency is there was a lot of crashes early on. What's your mindset like going into that? Yeah, you know what's crazy is I've actually been a part of um, the both Phoenix races that we've had in the past, and uh, you know I think based off what I I've learned, um, first off, cold tires are cold. Um, secondly, I think the biggest thing is on the start, the initial start of the race, just want to take it easy. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys slipping and sliding, and uh, could end up in, in a wreck. Um, you know, I know my poor teammate, Mike, Michael Kruger, uh, he's had some horrible luck, uh, at Phoenix, uh, the past couple races, I got caught up in, in, um, the incident with him in, uh, one of those races at Phoenix, uh, the season, season two, I believe it was. Um, and, uh, you know, he was. He was so bummed about that, and I wasn't mad that I was involved. I was mad for him. Um, so, you know, as far as, like, expectations, I think, you know, for me personally, business as usual, we go out there, but we really need to turn the momentum around because Daytona was awful. Um, well, the result was Daytona was great um, until, uh, you know, the driver of the 42 lost talent. And then last week, having some issues as well and trying to go back out there and fight back. So, uh, Phoenix, it's going to be tough, but, uh, you know, I think just business as usual and uh, we see what we can do. Well, absolutely, Josh. We are looking forward to that race Saturday night, of course, as well as all the upcoming races right here on JCTV. Uh, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell so you know when we are live for the upcoming races. And uh, stay tuned to Fastlane because we got some 
good interviews coming up. Justin Duran is going to join the ITP and Trucks carpool lane. Brett Bennett and Jonathan Parker are going to uh, preview this upcoming Phoenix race along with you again, Josh. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the most recent races a little bit more in depth. And Jonathan Canfield is going to join the Juicy Spider Sim Rig Showcase all right here on Fastlane. I'm Jonathan Parker, driver of the number 92 Faith Fight Finish Foundation Chevrolet, and you're watching Fastlane, a JCTV podcast. Don't go anywhere. Joining us now on the hashtag ITPN Trucks Carpool Lane is Justin Durand in the number 5 JCTV Chevy for Radius Racing. So Justin, there was a 4th place finish for you last Saturday night. What more did you need uh, to have a shot at the race? You led seven laps, but the caution just didn't quite fall your way. Well, it's just like you said, the cautions didn't go our way. Um, I didn't really have much of a short run pace in there. Um, that's I didn't think I wanted to overdrive it so much. That's a track that can really hurt you if you uh, overstep the boundaries there. So the cautions kind of just threw up or threw away any kind of rhythm I was going to be able to get. Because uh, I actually felt really good on the long run based on the practice I did uh, earlier before the race and throughout the week. Um, all I really needed was just green flag runs. I thought I would add a contention for the win. Fourth place is usually pretty good for most people. It felt like a disappointment based on uh, my expectations going into it. Well, in the past, Homestead hasn't been a strong track for you, uh, relatively speaking. So, other than the practice laps, what helped your confidence there Saturday night in the race? I mean, it really was just the practice. I mean, um, not a track I've done good in the series. I've ran, I think, season one and season two. I think I was 11th both times. Um, so, I couldn't even get a top 10 there previously. So, I didn't have actually much of an expectation going into it. Um, did put up a couple of few practice sessions throughout the week and uh, gained some pretty good confidence in the track. Um, I mean, it's a very fun track to drive. Not my kind, the one I prefer at least, but um, overall, it's still a, a good run. Well, right there at the end, you were racing a bunch of your teammates. Uh, a different, a uh, couple of different tire strategies too. When you saw Michael pull away, what were you thinking as you were battling Alex and I believe David was up there too, isn't you? I mean, I'd like to see somebody else get their first win. Um, the kind of surprising that you, you know two races out of the season, you know, none of the Radius Vortex guys have won. Um, you know, we've been right there at the end both times. Um, that was a good battle. Uh, I think it was, I want to say Alonzo. Uh, it might have been David and Alex. I can't remember. Or I think it was Tristan, I want to say. Uh, yeah, he was. Just, he actually probably gave Alex a little push right off of four that probably barely beat me for third. So he, Tristan kind of robbed me of a podium given Alex there. So nice one there, Tristan. Homestead has a. Uh history of, of really having the track change throughout the, the race. Um, it, it really seemed like, you know, at the start of the race, uh, the bottom was, was where you wanted to be. Uh, as, as the race went on, do you think the track progressed any or, or really did 
feel comfortable staying on the bottom the entire time. Yeah, my goal was try to stay at the bottom as long as I possibly could. Um, I thought it was the best way to save tires compared to the top side. Um, I seldom will use the top side. I think the only way you need to use that was mainly one and two to get a good run on the back stretch to set up a pass going to three because there's like a bump in the middle of three and four on the high side that makes it uh, extremely difficult to keep your momentum throughout the entire corner and off the exit. So you said it was uh, disappointing walking away with just a fourth place finish, but uh, you were able to get that stage win mid-race. Uh, how valuable do you think that's going to play into the chase for the regular season uh, the regular season championship here down the line? Uh, got a long way to go, obviously, but how much are you looking at the point standings this early into the season? Uh, you start looking at it immediately after the first race. Um... You know, that's all that's just going to add up throughout the regular season. So you got to just minimize any point losses you have to anybody else. Um, that's what made the stage win at Homestead you know, a little bit nicer. I mean, they Daytona, I actually pit off, what, lap one or two with Michael Kruger. Uh, didn't even have a penalty. I mostly just stayed back there because I anticipated actually wrecks before the stage and throughout the race. And, you know, we actually got none. So that was a very horrible point day for us. So come out of Homestead with the second most points out of that race, I think Micah barely had the most, if I remember looking at the standings right. Uh, so that's going to be a nice little boost going on at the beginning part of the season, uh, heading into Phoenix this weekend. So touch, touching on uh, Phoenix this weekend, we've had history of big ones early on in the first couple laps in the last couple seasons there. Uh, with cold tires being cold, of course, what is the biggest piece of advice you have to tell yourself other than that? Um, is there anything other than that, though, in the opening laps at Phoenix, knowing what has happened there in the past here recently? Well, it's such a fine line, um, especially with the cold tires, because, I mean, obviously where the restart zone is and that dog leg, it's uh, very important to try to gain as much ground or position as track position as much as you can uh, through that early portion because uh, it's actually it's it can be difficult to pass here throughout the long run unless somebody really burns the tires up um, as far as myself it's mostly just about staying patient um, I've actually thought I was pretty solid on the long run here last year I just uh, had a little bit of damage on the right side I think I had contact with Jonathan early in the race and it just kind of killed the arrow the rest of the way um, so hopefully it's different than Homestead where we can get some long runs in. Um, I figure like that will be better towards my race style, uh, staying patient and try to conserve as uh, much of my stuff as possible. You mentioned we didn't really have a crash really at Daytona until the finish and uh, talked right off, the, right off the top that we had a lot of cautions at Homestead. We didn't really a lot last season. Uh, do you think that trend's going to continue with Phoenix uh, being different from what we've seen in the past in terms of the cautions? Well, I'm hoping it stays as clean as we possibly can. I mean, it's a hard track with the dirty air. Um, it's not homestead, but it still can be very slippery, mainly off of two, because um, you're going to want to get on that gas as soon as you possibly can to get that uh, momentum off the back stretch. But you, know, you, you get a little too much throttle, a little too much wheel input, it's very easy to get loose off the corner and uh, self-spin. Um, so I'm just hoping we uh, cut down on the cautions a little bit. I know you're 
we had a high field last week, and this is some of the cautions are a little bit understandable. So uh, we'll take the good and the bad. It's always great to see a good field count. Hopefully we can keep it clean as long as possible. Well, my final question for you here is, who do you think your biggest competition this Saturday is going to be? Uh, history says it's going to be a radius driver. They've won the last two races, always up front, it seems like, at Phoenix. Who do you think is going to be the strongest one of those guys, or someone outside of that team this weekend? Uh, I'd say outside of the team, I'd probably have to go with the Daytona winner, Michael Kruger. Um, didn't have success your season two. I think he spun out early. Last year, he was extremely fast throughout the practice and kind of shot himself in the foot by jumping the start on the initial green flag and that put him back there. And he ended up getting caught on one of the big ones, like you mentioned. So I think if uh, he's able to stay clean, he's going to be fast all uh, all night here. So he's going to be one to look out forward to. And then uh, for my teammates... I'm sure we're all going to have pretty good runs, but I think the biggest competition is just going to be myself. I can't be making any mistakes, uh, overdriving turn three, cooking any of the tires. You know you know me with the pin entries, so we got to go ahead and make sure we go, don't screw that up. Um, overall, I don't mind Phoenix. I've run pretty well here. A uh, couple top fives, I think. So hopefully for another good run this weekend. All right, hopefully, Justin, and hopefully we get to talk to you uh, post-race Saturday night. All right, we'll see you there. All right, thanks, Justin. All right, no problem. That was Justin Duran, the fourth-place finisher at Homestead Miami Speedway on Saturday night in the In the Pits News Truck Series, and that was the hashtag ITP in Trucks Carpool Lane with Justin. Okay, Josh, now we're talking about last night's Slide Job Racing League C2 Graphics 200 at Nashua Super Speedway. It was the first race of the MF Racing Designs Premier Series playoffs for Season 10. A lot of drama in that race, you could say the least, but out front, it was just one man dominating. He led 113 of the 150 laps in that race, Jonathan Parker, for his second win on the season. Uh, before we talk about the beef in the midfield, let's talk about the top of the playoff standings, uh, he's second in the points now behind Sautage Man, who had another great race last night. Uh, what is your impression of that race last night uh, with the battle for the championship going on? Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, first of all, uh, big congratulations to um, Jonathan Parker on, on that win. The dominating performance he had was incredible. Um, and I think it just shows that, you know, he's, he's ready to, to win another championship, uh, in a different league. Uh, of course, you know, still, uh, hot from his, uh, in the Pitts news truck series championship just a couple of months ago. So, um, you know, they, they had, a a good battle. Last night, Sartaj Man and uh, Jonathan Parker, as far as points go, uh, both kind of on different uh, strategies. Um, and I really had no idea what was going to work. Um, you know, it, it's just the strategy call was was absolutely insane and it could have went any way for anybody. And uh, it went in Parker's way. He 
finished on top pretty much where, where he was all race long. Yeah, the strategies were all over the board. At one point, I looked up uh, just watching, and I saw there were four lead lap cars, and they were down to two, and back up to six or seven, and then we had a late caution that kind of swung things back open for some of those guys caught out on the pit strategy. Uh, as a broadcaster, how confusing is that to keep track of with everything going on? You know, I, it was very confusing. Like... I've called a lot of races that have had uh, long green flag runs. Um, you know, th that was nothing new to me. What was new was the fact that we had just all these different strategies going on. I mean, we, we had our, our first caution on lap one. Um, and then we didn't hit our second caution until like, 10 to go in the race, something like that. I mean, it was very, very late. And nobody was on the same strategy. I mean, you had some guys pit early or on that, that uh, lap one caution, um, like uh, Dylan Parker, um, uh, Dalton Kilroe, and, and Brian Dees. And it was a little bit surprising to me uh, originally uh, why they did so, and then their 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 strategy made sense later, but it, it took pretty much all race long to figure out what anybody was doing. And I'm telling you, I, I've said it time and time again, Adam. I'm glad I'm not a crew chief because I I don't know what call I would have made last night, but it sure wouldn't have been the right one. That's for sure. Yeah, you brought up a similar point last night on the race broadcast about how you've never seen a race with such a dynamic strategy at that point in the going. And you brought up that lap one incident. Another race where we've had a pretty big pile up on the opening lap, but really no retirees out of this one. Just Glenn Bundren Jr. was unable to continue. Uh, what do you think that crash had impacted on our playoff competitors, and do you think that kind of forced that, forced that long green flag run we had ensuing afterward? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think these drivers they they know how to race each other. Um, they they are an incredible bunch of drivers um, as well, and um, you know. We all know they're capable of doing it. Um, I think they did a great job of executing it last night. So I, I don't think that that caution on lap one really had anything to do with uh, drivers trying to settle down into it. Uh, the one thing that was surprising to me, though, is I, I was expecting a lot of cautions simply because um, it's a different surface. Nashville is a concrete track, and it will wear your tires out, make your uh, tires very slippery, um, and and completely change the handling on your car. And so I'm I'm honestly really surprised at uh, you know the fact that we only had just three or four cautions in that race, and they all either came one in the beginning or very very late whole entire middle was absolutely clean.
and unfortunately, when it did stop uh, becoming a clean race, a lot of tempers really on the racetrack boiled over, it looked like, Josh. Uh, we had two playoff drivers going at it on the racetrack at different points, really, in the race. At uh, one point, it ruined the green flag pit strategy and shook up the dynamic at the front of the field uh, for some of the lead lap competitors. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know there was a lot of guys that did not want to see the caution, but there were some guys that probably would have loved to have seen the caution. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we didn't get to see the, the what if with it playing out all the way to the end um, that I, I kind of was hoping for. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, we know that uh, there are some rivalries in inside job and um it, it showed last night but i keep heavily preaching how you know now that you're in the playoffs you've got to put what happened in the regular season in the past if you want to win a championship and right now uh, there's one driver who potentially just really lost himself a shot um at uh, the championship uh if uh, a penalty uh, uh upholds um so you know it's just it's just a unfortunate circumstance there that we had that caution um but uh what a great race it was uh, yeah you mentioned uh the driver out of the playoff contention really after uh, the penalties that occurred Tuesday night uh, and if they withstand currently uh, there is an appeal out but Josh realistically we don't really think that that appeal is going to stand no I, I I don't I don't believe so I think that uh, it's it's not going to be reversed at all I think it's going to um, uh, stay the same and uh, there won't be any changes from that. So basically what Josh and I are referring to is Dylan Parker had the book thrown at him after the race Tuesday night from the admins after he was involved in two different incidences on lap 83. No caution came out for this, though, I don't believe, Josh. It was on the pack straight away. Uh, no, no caution did come out at all. This was in the middle of pit cycles and... Uh, you and Dawson both called two or three cars backwards on the back straightaway. No caution flew from that, thankfully, not to mess up the race. But it it cost a couple guys, other than Dylan Parker, in that race. It hurt their ch chances at a good or a better shot. And then on lap 136, the caution did fly for this when Dylan stopped his three car pretty much off a of turn four and right in the path of Mark Frimpong, who rammed right into him pretty much and... That resulted in Dylan Parker being disqualified from the race and getting another penalty for intentionally wrecking a competitor. So I'm told he lost 72 points Tuesday night and and suspended for the next three races also. So automatically, if he doesn't get this penalty upheld, he is out of the contention to make the Final Four. Yeah, and continuing on, um, you know, you, when you were talking about how um, a couple of cars got sideways. Uh, basically, 
if I'm recalling everything correct, it was like Frimpong, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I think he just got loose and um he took a ride through the front stretch grass. Um was trying to regain uh control of his car. Um he was keeping it down low, got got control of his car, keeping it down low. Dylan Parker and I don't remember who uh were coming through and um there wasn't a big uh, hole, uh, but Dylan Parker was trying to shoot it three wide. I mean, th- there was enough room um, for a car to be there. Um, not not by much, though, I don't think. And uh, then there was a little bit of contact between Dylan Parker and Mark Frimpong uh, going down the back straightaway. And then, I'll be honest, it looked like Frimpong originally just hooked it. Uh, right into Dylan Parker. Um, and I watched both onboards, and you don't see any wheel movement at all from either driver as far as just absolutely hooking it one way or the other. Um, so I don't know if it was just a case of, of net code um, that ultimately caused that incident. Um, but Dylan Parker went from being in contention to, to win the race, uh, potentially to uh being multiple laps down for that contact and uh that really upset parker and uh that's why later on in the race we had what we had with with the caution coming in yeah that third car involved in that incident was a uh, blaine sparling another playoff competitor uh and he now sits ninth in the current standings mark frimpong seventh and in just three races, only the top four continue on, and currently those spots are occupied by Sotaj Mayan, Jonathan Parker after his win Tuesday night, Dalton Kilro, the reigning series champion, and Luke Nupp in a tie with Michael Thorpe has that last position right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, for... I think the rest of the drivers... Um, those that have issues with with other drivers um, can use this as a learning experience for themselves. You know, we're gonna have four races left, three uh, until the cutoff uh, to to ultimately get to the final four at Auto Club. So I think they can use this as a learning experience. Is it worth it? You know, is me having a chance to win a championship worth it? To um, race this person hard or um you know something else so i it's an unfortunate situation but for the drivers that are, are still in it um you know I, I'll, I'll keep saying it you need to put what happened in the regular season and the regular season this is playoff time it's it's time to to make your case for a championship or make your case to go home with nothing And another big talking point last night, uh, not to try and drown it out, but uh, ongoing is the dash for cash in the Slide Job Racing League. And Noah Mayery punched his ticket into the finale at Auto Club Speedway in that format, uh, being the highest finisher of those four drivers last night, Josh, with his eighth place finish. Yeah, he took $10 home last night. Actually, uh, paid himself $10 last night. 
Um, but, uh, you know, it looked like it was going to be going to uh, Blaze McKinney uh, originally, but then uh, there was, again, some issues um, in, on the last lap of the race that admins deemed were uh, unnecessary, and it ultimately went to Noah, Noah Mary. Um, so still some races left to go for uh, some more Dash for Cash opportunities. Uh, but uh, Noah Mary, he came out with uh, the, the best opportunity after uh, Nashville. And you mentioned that penalty for Blaze McKinney. Uh, they basically encumbered him from a lead lap, from a yeah lead lap finishing position. He was scored last car on lead lap in 14th Tuesday night. And uh, you mentioned uh, penalized for discipline, disciplinary actions and uh, docked 25 points. So that's going to hurt him in the best for the rest championship chase, which is right now being led by Brian Dees, who only has a four-point lead over Noah Mayer in that championship from 11th on back. Yeah, and Blaze, he has shown already early on that he is uh, a threat at any track you put him on. Um, so it's it's a blow to him as well, uh, despite the fact that he's not going for uh, the big prize. Um, you know, he still has a, a chance to um, show that that he could have a, a chance next season and and ultimately, you know, still still fight for something for this season. Absolutely. He ranks 17th now in this current standings. Moving on to the next race in this playoff, Josh. It's a road course, and it's Watkins Glen International. What do these guys have in store for them next Tuesday night? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Last season, uh, we saw this league take on Watkins Glen, and it was an incredible race. But it was also in a different car. Um, now we're here coming to Watkins Glen in the Xfinity car, and, you know, Coda was a really good uh, a race itself uh, when 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 the this league visited Dakota earlier uh, in the this season. Um, so I think you know, despite the fact that it's a road course, uh, I still think you're going to see great racing from these guys. You're going to see uh, road course guys really show out, um, and it, it could open up the door for uh, a, a playoff guy who. Uh, may have struggled um, at at Nashville or, or could struggle at uh, Darlington. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's a wild card for sure, I would say. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a great show at Watkins Glen. Definitely a wild card, but when the playoff rounds are Nashville Super Speedway, Watkins Glen, Darlington, and then Talladega, you really don't have time to rest. It's going to be interesting to watch these next couple Tuesday nights see it unfold. MF Racing Designs, Slide Job Racing League Premier Series Season 10 Playoffs, and we're going to be there every Tuesday night to watch it unfold on JCTV at 9 o'clock Eastern, Tuesday nights.
Hey, I'm Cameron Caldwell, the driver of the number 12 C2 Graphics in the Pits News, the Racing Experts Grid Network, Chevrolet for Radius Racing in the, in the Pits News Truck Series, and you're listening to Fast Lane on JCTV. Uh, so I run a dual monitor setup. The uh, first monitor was a NVIDIA uh, that I went to Best Buy and bought one night because uh, the second monitor that you see on my left uh, had lost some cords uh, throughout my deployment last year. Just moving around, stuff got lost. So I've had to re-pull uh, all that together to get my second monitor back. And then uh, the PC itself was actually built by uh, Christopher Bassinger. I couldn't tell you much about what's in it because he put it all together and literally shipped it to me from Arizona. And uh, I pretty much unpackaged it and uh, plugged it up. And it's been a great PC for me. Uh, it runs very smooth. Obviously, I'm able to do the production uh, with JCTV. And I'm able to stream when I uh, do my races, whenever I decide to stream. But uh, as far as uh, the equipment goes for racing, I've got a uh, set of pedals from Fanatec, the uh, inverted Club Sport V3s. And uh, then the wheel base itself is uh, a SimuCube Pro 2. It's a direct drive base, and it uh, I had to buy a separate attachable uh, wireless Bluetooth steering wheel. Uh, I don't remember the name of that specific steering wheel that I use, but uh, everything on that wheel has a purpose. It uh, it helps me look left, look right, uh, exit the car. I can change my pit strategy on my own from that wheel, and uh, it's just it's a fun wheel to have. But uh, with that being said, I want to start this off with no, I am not some rich kid or anything like that. I did a deployment last summer. And a uh, portion of the money that I made doing that deployment uh, went into my sim rig because I used to have Logitech uh, G923 equipment and the pedals started failing. So I needed new pedals. And while I was out there on deployment, I was like, I, I just might as well go ahead and see what the market was for wheels. And uh, SimiCube was one of the quickest and also uh, the more reliable brands that I had found. And so far, even with me having a direct drive, I've had no heat issues, and the wheel itself works really well with most any game, even outside of iRacing. I, I, I can't even ask what You just answered everything. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I, uh, normally, I just... You know, ask, okay, tell us about your wheel. All right, nice pedals. Tell us about those. But, I mean, you just kind of stole the show. One of the things I, I like asking uh, other drivers for, um, you know, this segment uh, is uh, their their chair, you know. And I see you've got a what appears to be a uh, more fancier, like, sim racing type chair. Um, so what, what kind of chair do you have there uh, that... Uh, keeps you comfortable during the races uh i won't lie it doesn't keep me as comfortable as i'd like it to but the most fun part about having this kind of rig is i can change this chair out if i want to uh i just haven't found a new chair to put on it yet but uh this is the uh play seat it uh 
when I originally got my rig and I was starting off in iRacing, I found a kid here in San Diego who was selling his uh, entire rig. He was selling a set of G27 pedals, G27 wheel with the uh, seat and the mounts for it. So uh, I I bought that and I'll throw numbers out there. It was about 130 bucks just for everything, the wheel pedals and the seat. And uh, yeah, this is the same seat that came on this uh, entire rig. Uh, since then, I've just modified it a little bit. I self-fabbed my pedals so they could bolt, bolt on because it was set for Logitech equipment. Obviously, Fanatec's a little bit bigger, so I had to fabricate that. And uh, same thing with the uh, wheelbase for the SimuCube. I had to drill the holes to get the nuts and bolts to go through that. So that way, because uh, when I first got all of the gear, it was all just zip ties. I kind of just threw it together and was lazy about it. And then finally stuff started breaking, zip ties gave out. And I was like, I just, I'm going to have to drill holes in it and make the modifications. And it's been a good seat and it's been a good, good rig overall. Uh, I can't find anything to complain about. I wish I could find and find out what this actually was so people could go find it and buy it themselves. But I've looked up play seat so many times on Google and I, I can't even find this thing. So I, I see on uh, on the picture there is a button on the left that uh, it's like a black base with yellow on top and red. Uh, is that any part of your sim uh, rig? And, and I mean, what what is that function? Uh, that is my force feedback control. So uh, with me running variations of different force feedback. Uh, obviously, if I ran it super high and I crashed a stock car or any car on a track, for that matter, uh, the wheel is so powerful it could actually break a finger or cause possible harm. So if I feel myself in danger, that's kind of like my get out of town button, you know, turn off the force feedback right there and prevent any sort of issues. A little bit um, off of the topic of the sim rig itself, but I noticed on the desk you've got a bobblehead over there. Um, nice little decoration for a desk. Uh, who is that, and uh, what does it uh, mean to you to have uh, that bobblehead there? For me, it's just a little piece of home. Uh, as mentioned earlier, I was on deployment last year, and I'm still actively serving with the Marine Corps right now. Uh, so I'm stationed in San Diego, California, and my home is about 40 minutes outside of Cleveland, Ohio. So this is uh, Cliff Lee, longtime pitcher for Cleveland. At the time, it was the Indians. Current day, it's the Guardians. Uh, but longtime pitcher for the, uh, the Indians and just a pitcher that I'd recognize from when I grew up. Uh, I couldn't tell you if he won any major awards or anything like that. But uh, I just remember him being like the face of uh, Cleveland for a while when he was the pitcher there. Um, Adam, I think that is all I have. I will oh. say if anybody is in the market to spend that extra dollar on your rig, it is worth it. Uh, some things I can say that are different about just my pedals in general, because I know I talked a bunch about the wheel, but the pedals in general, having the Fanatec, uh, the gas pedal vibrates when you get too hard in the gas. So, you know, when your tires are spinning. Uh, you know, when you're pushing the car too hard, you can kind of modulate your throttle a little more. Uh, the brakes, you'll feel lock up instantly and be able to 
react to that. And I mean, even the clutch too, the clutch almost uh, has a friction zone to it to where it's pretty hard to just dump the clutch when you're using a clutch. So, I mean, for six, $600 pedals, uh, if you're in the market for an upgraded set of pedals or even an upgraded wheelbase, uh, just Fanatec or uh, SimiCube, they've got a bunch of different products and they, they're not the most affordable, but they are uh, certainly telling the difference for the money you pay. I got a couple of other questions, uh, actually. Uh, those goldfish on the left, um, do those, uh, uh, are those, are those just decoration? <laughs> those are not decoration. That was a, uh, race time snack from the, uh, night that I took the picture. Uh, I believe I was actually streaming, uh, American truck simulator that night. And I just had a bowl of goldfish up on the desk and, uh, I moved them out of the way just to kind of show like what's normally on the desk. And uh, ended up catching the goldfish in the picture anyway. And and my second question is, where's Sunshine? Uh, Sunshine needs to be in the picture. She was probably somewhere uh, <laughs> taking a nap or getting into trouble. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure Josh has a picture of Sunshine somewhere. I'm pretty sure I sent him a picture of her one night when we were racing. But... Uh, I can always forward a picture over to Adam so y'all can see Sunshine. <laughs> uh, Sunshine is my dog. She's a f- about four-year-old pit bull uh, staffy mix, and uh, we rescued her a couple years ago. She's a pain in my butt some days. She's the most lovable dog in the world every day, though, so uh, I could never get rid of that dog to save the life of me. Well, those two questions. Those questions. Well, hey, we could throw them in anyway. I can't remember. Did I? I had the wheel attached when I took that photo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I would. I would have felt really bad if I'd have done something dumb and like left the wheel on the ground. Because <laughs> that's where I normally put it. I'll detach it and leave it on the ground. It's not hooked up right now. You would be able to see it if it was hooked up. Yeah, that too. You have a what thrustmaster? Yeah. I was looking at them. All right, thank you, Josh, and thank you, Jonathan, for joining this edition of the Juicy Spider Gaming SimRig Showcase. Uh, We really enjoyed uh, getting a breakdown of what you're working with there when we get to see you race on Tuesday nights and when you're broadcasting for us, so thanks, Jonathan. Absolutely. uh, Like I said earlier, if uh, anybody's in the market, just look them up. Hey everyone, it's Joshua Coppernell, driver number 42, JCTV, Chevrolet Silverado for PBR, also known as Grace's Daddy, watching Fastlane, JCTV podcast. Joining me now on the slide job carpool lane is Mark Frimpong, driver of the 53 Triracial Racing Toyota. Mark, uh, you were in the middle of a lot, honestly, that happened at Nashville this last Tuesday night. Uh, to start the slide job racing league season 10 playoffs, uh, it, what happened from your perspective before we talk a little bit more about what happened? Uh, honestly, I was just kind of bouncing off of everything at Nashville. Um, I really don't like getting involved in that many incidents in one race. Obviously, get a lot of damage. It's not really fun to put around a lap down. But um, yeah, I I mean, I was trying to stay out of people's way. I didn't really expect to get in that many incidents. 
and obviously uh, one of the biggest incidents uh, in terms of the dynamic of the race and the way strategies were playing out. Uh, what stemmed from that? Obviously, there was a little bit of an issue on the pit exit or the pit entry a few laps before that, but kind of walk through us um, f- from your perspective the incident with Dylan. Uh, it was actually Dylan that got in the back of me. Um, he claimed that I brake checked him. And uh, during post-race, he said something like, oh, like the 53 is going to go around, something like that. Like that was apparently the communications he was having with his team. And um, after the race, he claimed that that was not intentional and that he didn't really want me to wreck out of that, which is kind of an interesting thing to say, considering um, how initially he was talking about the incident. But um, yeah, I mean, once again, like I just I was just driving the rest of my race. I was just trying to make the best of what I could out of that race because it was already not going great. And to just get turned out of nowhere was kind of weird, um, especially considering he had already retaliated for the first incident. Uh, on the exit of pit road so i'm not too sure what was going on there it was kind of a one-sided battle but um yeah just hoping that we don't have any of that next week obviously you want it to be incident free uh next week uh this upcoming race is at watkins Glen this tuesday night what is your expectations for that uh we had one road course on the season earlier this year at coda uh is that going to play in any any effect to such a different track at watkins Glen? uh yeah definitely you'll definitely have different players up front um, at a track like that, uh, you'll probably get less of the wrecking because people are honestly trying to stay between the lines themselves at a road course like that. And um, I don't know if I'm excited for that uh, race. Um, maybe a little bit because Watkins Glen is one of the easier road courses, but uh, I don't consider myself a road driver by any capacity. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting race, and uh, especially after the first race to the playoffs that I've had, I kind of would have liked my. 14th place finish to be at Watkins Glen as opposed to Nashville, a track that I definitely had something for. Yeah, you mentioned uh, how pretty much how rough this four race round is before the championship race is going to be. You sit seventh in the points right now, a little bit further back on that fourth place battle, which is tied. I think you're seven points behind that, so you're not out of it. And it is three long races to go. Anything can happen at, I believe it's Darlington after Watkins Glen and then Talladega. So three really totally different tracks. Uh, so looking forward to those two tracks past Watkins Glen. What are you going to have to do to get that 53 inside the top four spots here? Uh, well, I mean, it'll start at Watkins Glen. Um got to get a pretty decent finish obviously i don't expect to win that race but i need to be probably eighth or so and then um at darlington i mean fully expect to have a good race there kind of have to and then talladega i mean everybody saw what we did earlier this season at uh the plate tracks it's um it's kind of hard to pass when we get in our formations so we'll uh we'll see if we can have another dominating day over at talladega and um hopefully that's enough points to make it to the next round So you won our last race of the regular season uh, in the MF Racing Designs Premier Series. It was a pretty thrilling finish at Michigan. Uh, you beat Sautage Man, your teammate, in that uh, last restart for that win. The championship is going to be at Auto Club Speedway, a twin track to Michigan. How much confidence is that going to weigh on your mind if you do make it to that championship race? Uh if I do make it to the championship race, it'll be just like any other race, honestly. Um, I think that I have a chance to win every week so um michigan and uh, auto club they're not 
exactly identical besides the length um honestly auto club is a lot flatter and you definitely have to take it a lot slower in the corners much more abrasive track but um yeah i've turned a lot of laps to auto club you can move around a little bit so that'll make it more interesting and um hopefully uh, i have a car good enough to win there too so speaking back to that michigan win uh, I know you already did your post-race interview and stuff uh, when you won that a couple weeks ago, but what more do you have to add about that finish? Because there were a lot of strong, really all of your competitors were up there in the fight, everyone in this championship mix and everyone who was up there weekly, not in the uh, points fight who are still going to be racing for the Dash for Cash in this, uh, these next couple races. So what was that Michigan win like, just uh, triumphing over everyone there in the, in, in the end? Um... It was honestly just, uh, it was relieving, I guess you could say, because I feel like I've had plenty of chances to win this season and things have just not panned out perfectly. So it was nice to finally just have a race, like all get put together. And um, also it was nice having to be one of the cleaner races. So, you know, it was just purely on speed, pretty much that race. Um, so hopefully we have more races like that to end out the season and I can get similar results. Uh, no. Thank you very much. You too. Alright, thank you, Monk. That was driver of the 53, Dry Racing Toyota. Mark Frimpong, we will see him Tuesday night in the Slide Job Racing League MF Racing Designs playoffs. Uh, try and fight himself back into that top four fight from that seventh position he's currently sitting in. Good luck, Mark, and best of race on Tuesday at Watkins Glen. Hey, it's Ethan Fonseca Moreno, driver of the 43 Fram Oil Filters, Silverado, and you're listening to Fast Lane on JCTV. Joining me now on Fast Lane is the ninth place finisher from Phoenix last season in the In the Pits News Truck Series, Brett Bennett, and the eleventh place finisher at Phoenix last season, Jonathan Parker. Uh, start off with Brett. You ran a couple practice laps today for your preparation for the season four race here at Phoenix on Saturday night at eight o'clock on JCTV. Uh, you ran pretty much a full fuel window. So, what are you thinking with the the handling on your forty seven truck after a full run on the tires? I was really felt good about how the handling held up throughout a run. Uh, there's definitely going to be some, obviously, some fall off in time, like you have any week. But the fall off was not huge. Like I think over the fuel window, I ran 69 laps before I had the pit. If you're saving fuel, you might be able to make it closer to 70 to 75 laps. But the higher fall off was, I've probably had. Got it pulled up here. I had about. A second and a half of fall off at the end of the run from what my fastest laps were on new tires and if that's the case i think it's going to be really interesting seeing how people play the pit game here because it i haven't done some calculating also almost all that fall off occurs in the first 20 30 laps you don't get a lot of fall off after that so it's very much going to be when do you stop how do you maximize your um the time you can gain on fresh tires, whether that's where you stop late, early, or in the middle of the run. So it's going to be an interesting race. Um, it's going to be also interesting to see how people run it with the gearing. Um, 
usually I think on fresh tires, I like to go fourth gear all the way around. But as the tires wear, third gear becomes very viable, especially in turns three and four. It helps get you a better launch off the corner because otherwise you're bogging it down a lot in fourth gear because it's just the gear ratios are a little bit goofy here. So I'm interested to see um, the tire. It's definitely a set that's going to be hard on the right front, so it's going to be managing that. But I don't think it's going to be a... It's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, Jonathan, uh, this race in the past has had the history of having quite a lot of crashes to uh, start it off. Uh, cold tires being cold, of course, is everyone's favorite expression, but it really hasn't... Uh, it, it has been proven here at Phoenix. The guy's just not being too mindful of that on the starts. Do you think we're going to see that again this Saturday? Now, if it's anything like Homestead, you bet we're going to see something like that, yeah. It's early, probably early in the season jitters is probably part of it. But, yeah, Phoenix, especially if you... Cross the lanes weird, you probably upset your car or truck. So I would I'd be mindful of that. If you're careful with the cold tires, obviously you'll be fine, but you'll probably have one person that gets a little over ambitious and hopefully it's not in the front of the field. I would also say that we've had a lot of incidents at Phoenix, especially I think we had one on the initial start last year where people assume that the inside lane is going to cut the dog leg and some drivers don't do it especially on restarts. And I also know that the truck, especially cutting that dog leg, while you might gain a little bit of time doing it, it can give you a little bit of optional damage. Um, like I was cutting it some during my run, and I ended up with like 12 seconds of optional when I pitted after full fuel run. So it definitely can be a concern when, with doing that. So I think at Phoenix, most of the wrecks we've had have not been as much people losing it by themselves on cold tires. Although definitely that's definitely a, a concern, especially out on the exit of turn two. Because turn two, where it's so flat out on the exit of turn two, it's really easy to get to the gas too early and just have, it, have the rear end snap around. And it kind of bottles with the pit, when the pit wall starts, it kind of bottles everybody into a kind of narrow canyon between the pit wall and the outside wall. And so if somebody spins there, a lot of times they can bounce off the inside wall back up in the traffic and it can just turn into a, to shoot basically shooting fish in the barrel. So that will be something to look out for. But other than that, I think also you're going to have a lot of the kind of incidents you see more at like a Martinsville or a Bristol where breaking in the corners, there's a lot of, if, you're, if your breaking marker is a little bit deeper than somebody in front of you, you can easily get in the back of somebody. So it'll just be, it, I could easily see this turning into a decent bit of cautions. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And another thing we saw at the start of last season's race on the initial start was Michael Kruger County jumping the start, going uh, before the green flag waved. He got penalized for it. What are the cha biggest challenges of the restart zone here in Phoenix being in the center of turn four like it is? I would say with it being where it is, I've never restarted from the lead at Phoenix. I am. Hopefully, I think I found some things today that I think will really benefit me this week. But at least in the past, it's I, it's a track I'm not terrible at, but it's not definitely not one of my better tracks. Um, that said, uh, I know that like with the pace speed, especially if you're that first car on the outside, which I think probably if you were to start behind somebody, if we have an off, I don't know if we have an off track admin this week because I know 
Matthew can't Matthew Toasty can't make it. But uh, if we don't do have an on track off track admin, you could easily just say, "Hey, I didn't pass the guy. I maintain speed. I gave me a black flag for launching first. But uh, but with that, like you got to maintain speed a long while. And I know I think they've made some updates to to um the restart zone that should make it work better where the outside lane is not as punitive if you get to the gas a little bit just to maintain stay even with that leader but you have to maintain speed for a long time so it's easy to get a penalty doing that so it'll be it's in our challenge here i'm glad that they have the restart zone because especially here where technically from when the pace car pulls off which without the restart zone you can launch on iRacing as soon as the pace car pulls off so you can launch anywhere without the restart zone you can launch anywhere from the back stretch to the middle of three and four to the start finish line basically so it's definitely gonna it's definitely a challenge but it'll be one that we'll have to look for but at the same time i think people especially now that we're used to the restart zone shouldn't cause too much of an issue yeah, wheel spin is going to be pretty big, for especially if you're restarting in that corner. And these trucks have a lot more pull than you really even think. So if you just slam on the gas like it's a, a 550 package cup car, you're going to wreck. So don't do that, drivers, if you're going to listen to this. Um, yeah, it's good to have the restart zone enabled, as you said. Uh, basically, all you got to do is not be ahead of the leader when the green flag in the sim drops which is whenever the leader wants to go. And if the leader waits, then it's whenever the game decides to drop it. And you'll be, you should be okay. I don't know what the, ad, I might be adminning. I don't know how to admin. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I, <laughs> I might need some training in order to do that. But don't, don't, if don't I am, huh? kick somebody without viewing the incident. I ain't kicking people. <laughs> I'm only black flagging people I don't like. After, after the drama last weekend. I'm only black flagging people I don't like. I'm not kicking anyone. Oh, so I'm getting a black flag? I like you. Where the hell do you think I said I didn't like you? <laughs> I know. I was joking. <laughs> okay. Good. No. I'm only black flagging Micah and Christian. They get black flags. But yeah, it's a uh, restarts here. Uh, I hate where the start finish line is. It sucks. I like. Uh, the, I, I agree with you on that. The old Phoenix was so much better. Yeah, it's finish line was. You just go batshit crazy going into the corner, uh, into the dog leg, I should say. You fan out eight wide and hope you don't wreck going into turn one. That's about the restarts, and I hate it. It's very mindless. Yeah, and it, that's that's one of my biggest issues with Phoenix is especially the way I racing spotter works. It's not great at calling people in the dog leg. It's. I've had times where it's said I'm clear to the bottom and there's like two cars beneath me and it's because they're so spread out. It just doesn't, I just, it just doesn't pick them up. It's probably, it's probably very true. I kind of remember that being a problem. If you're spatially aware, <laughs> if yeah. you're spatially aware, that's not a problem. But if you're a bonehead, you're going to go right into someone on the outside of you or vice versa. And it's going to cause a wreck. I think last year we had a wreck on the initial start and I forget who it was. Let me see if I'm, had the results pulled up um, from last year. Yeah, Zach, uh, Zach Propes, if I remember right, I think he was the victim of it. Somebody, if I remember right, 
tried to cut the dog leg on the initial start and just turned down right into Zach Probst and like hooked him in the outside wall. One thing um, that's going to be interesting to so is changing lanes before the restart on the inside specifically. Because that is very easy to do. It's very easy to do if you're not paying attention. And that'll completely ruin your race. So that's... And that's actually a pretty easy call to look at, but inside the car, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, and that's something that... Yeah, if you're off-track adminning, that's going to be all you, because I know game's not going to call that out. But we're going to have... A... I might put on a blindfold. I want to see the, I want to see these guys go in there eight wide and cause a huge pileup. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. I want a little bit of chaos. Now that I'm not in these races, I want a little bit of chaos since they caused a bunch of cautions last race at Homestead when I wanted it to go green. Now I just want cautions galore. I just want everyone to lose their minds. I don't know. I was pretty happy for the huge amount of cautions at Homestead. It helped you get back on lead lap, didn't it? That's you were supposed to finish damn near last, and you ended up getting a decent finish out of it. I'm happy for you. Perseverance, like honestly, I think I could have even competed for like probably a top ten, if not a win, because I had tires left. If I hadn't got an engine damage, I got run over from behind in one of the earlier when one of the wrecks after I got back in. Um, actually, probably would have I would have been back on the lead lap. Probably, I would have been one down instead of two down. Um. I would have been back on the lead lap probably around the time of uh, if I had kept the same strategy, I would have been on the lead lap when the uh, caution came out for the uh, that at the end of the long green flag run with pit stops because I would have I was going to run it long anyway, and if I had been doing that and I didn't have damage, I would I was barely had gotten relapped by people who had pitted, and if I hadn't have dam and that was with damage killing my lap times. Without that, I probably would have been back on the lead lap after that and been and had been two tire sets to the good and would have been able to, if I could have stayed out of trouble, been able to get in, up into contention possibly, but got damage and really only person I passed on that last run, even though I was starting on fresh tires, was uh, Scott, who I think had, who had just completely burned off his tires and hadn't pitted during the last caution, so it was on older tires. So, but I've... I'm feeling pretty good going this week. I wasn't sure about my lap times, and might be that the track conditions, because if I remember right, last year the track conditions were pretty slick, and I ran a night session, so it could be a little bit uh, slicker, but based on what I'm seeing from the lap times last year, my times just seem to be pretty decent, so hope we can get a go, go get a good run. Well, the last question I have about the Saturday night at Phoenix, uh, I'll ask uh, you, Jonathan, first. Is there any track on the sim that races anything like a truck at Phoenix that you have experience with in the past? Just to try to compare it if you can, because it's totally different track to anything else that we race at in terms of the shape, the banking, just the lanes available all all around the one mile. I can't speak all around the one mile track. Um, other than New Hampshire, no, nothing races like it. Uh, that one, three and four, um, <laughs> get these turns mixed up. Um, I don't, I'm not sure anything really races like that. And then turns, well, I'm getting them mixed up again. It's turned, turns one and two is like New Hampshire. Turns three and four ain't like anything else. One and two, you can take whatever line you want. You could wrap that. 
the bottom. You could try and diamond it. You can do like a a modified line, like what Kevin Harvick likes to do. You can kind of do whatever you want to be fast there. It's just however you you're comfortable driving. Probably whatever your background is. Um, yeah, it's actually very a pretty fun track to try and keep your tires underneath you. Um, and it, it, you could use a lot of different lines to try and set up passes. And then you can go underneath the line on the on the on the dog leg and cut people. You can cut the track. It's awesome. So uh, thing is, if you don't if you don't take the dog leg, you're on the you're on the outside, and then you get a way better run into the corner. And that in and of itself causes um, some interesting things to happen. So, but yeah, other New Hampshire, nothing really drives like it. I'm trying to think of something else. Like Martinsville doesn't drive like it. Uh, I don't know what other short tracks are there. <laughs> the the track I would say probably drives the most similar, which you didn't mention it, but uh, and I don't think it's ever been on the ITP and schedule, and it honestly could be an interesting track to maybe go to. Um, Gateway. Uh, that track is an atrocity. That's why I didn't w- mention it. WWT Raceway, whatever it's now called. Yeah, it's uh, an awful track. That's Never put it on the schedule. I, it's a terrible track. The first track everyone to a truck race at. It's a great track. Um, but Gateway, it you have more banking. I forget which end of the track there it is, but you have more banking at one turn, and then the other turn's a real sharp, tight corner. Um, there's it's probably even more pronounced than it is at Phoenix. Um, just like Phoenix, the the gearing comes into play. You consider you might consider shifting. Gateway almost always are shifting. Phoenix, um. Comparing lap times, it's pretty similar. Later, in, I think on on fresh tires, you never want to be shifting. You're definitely going to be costing yourself time doing that. Um, it's a lot looser in third gear, and especially on newer tires, the setup's usually a little bit looser. But once the tires are worn, you can really get a good drive off, especially of turn out of three and four by downshifting the third. It also can help get the car turning to the bottom because it kind of frees it up when you downshift. Kind of gets that engine braking to kind of help turn the car. Um, which I like to do that sometimes. So that that's something that I think will be... That's another thing to really watch for is to see what people are shifting and when they start shifting um, this weekend. So, yeah, I think Gateway, maybe you could make an argument from Otegi, which is another track kind of like that. But both of them, your corner entry speed's a lot higher because they got a lot longer straightaways and more narrow corners. Phoenix is more of a traditional oval shape while, do, while being like that. Yeah, you know one track while I was while you were talking, you know one track that I guess a corner and a track that's kinda like at least turns one and two. Keep keep having to think about it. Is Milwaukee and then because of that turn three at Pocono, that's pretty similar qualities. I would say obviously at Pocono you're going a lot faster, but yeah, kind of the way I, you drive, the, the way you drive them is very similar. I would say. Yeah, that that's better, and it's two better tracks than Gateway. Never mention that track again. Speeds are way different, but turn one at Pocono is very similar to three and four, and turn three at Pocono is very similar to one and two. Yeah, turn turn one like at Pocono is like no other because just about nobody knows how to apex that turn right. I've seen so many different ways, and it's hilarious to watch people go through I, that corner. I know how to apex that one, but I, I'm usually pretty good at Pocono. Yeah, I, I, I got you, but it, yeah, I, I wouldn't say turn one at Pocono is a very well, unique the, the whole corner. thing about turn one at Pocono is if you miss the bumps, 
you can hit the apex. <laughs> but if you're up a lane and you hit those bumps, good luck. Because <laughs> you're then unsettled the entire corner. And that's, that's another thing about Phoenix is if you miss three and four, you're just going to kill your lap every time because you cannot get back to the gas. Three and four is you want to hit that apex. You can make the outside work and kind of pinch somebody down a little bit, but you got to kind of hit that apex or else you're going to really kill your lap times. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, thanks, Brett. Thanks, Jonathan, for uh, taking time and talking with us about what we think we're going to see this Saturday night. Thanks, Brett, for doing some extra research, doing some extra practice, and uh, seeing what we can do this Saturday night uh, at Phoenix Raceway and what the possibility of the race is going to run like. Thanks, guys, for uh, once again previewing this upcoming race with us. Of course, Adam. No problem. Always a pleasure. pleasure. It's a good excuse for me to get some extra practice laps, put some because I'm really bad about practicing long run in the actual sessions, so it's real helpful for me to have an excuse to kind of go run long run by myself because it's a lot easier to do that when you're running by yourself than with other people. So I think definitely benefited me at Homestead. I found some stuff that I've never that I hadn't really found before at Homestead, and I think I hopefully did the same this week. So yeah, hopefully uh, you actually get to use that knowledge uh, in the race, uh, be up front and be in the mix when it matters. Uh, Jonathan and I are going to be watching, of course. We're going to be in the booth cheering you on, Brett, that 47, Joseph Swiggly machine. Uh, we're going to be uh, watching from the JCTV booth Saturday night at 7.45 p.m. Eastern right here on YouTube. Thanks, guys, once again. By the way, quick shout-out to Brian Haynes. I have, a new, I have a computer that works now. So hopefully should have... We love you, Brian hopefully Haynes. Should, hopefully should have no uh, issues this week. <laughs>